Hey, I know you're probably driving or running or cleaning the house or doing something else when you're listening to this, but look, if you're a B2B marketer and you need to start generating revenue from your marketing, then you have to check out our 12-week program, the B2B Incubator. It's built for small, in-house B2B marketing teams with limited time and budget. We give you the strategy, the templates, and the tools to start driving revenue, not just leads. So if you're ready to act on all the advice Kevin and I give you, next time you take that first sip of coffee in the morning, make sure you head to the B2B Incubator and apply now. There's only 10 spots available per cohort with our next one launching at the end of May, 2024. Remember, the B2B Incubator, apply now so you don't miss out. We've had B2B marketing managers, CMOs, marketers in demand generals, content leads, and more all go through this program and they're currently executing the demand strategies that they've created. Some are now even contributing as much as 80% of the pipeline to their business after working through it. Make sure you check out the b2bincubator.com and apply now to start driving more demand and more revenue for your brand. Okay, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the B2B Playbook Podcast. Each week, we discuss strategies and tactics to help B2B businesses grow online. We're your hosts, Kevin and George, a couple of digital marketing professionals. We've waded through the noise and made the mistakes so you don't have to. The B2B world has changed and you need to put your customers at the heart of your marketing. We'll cover how you can use our framework, the five Bs, to create a brand that customers are ready to buy from, love and advocate for. We'll get insights from successful people in the industry and cover the latest trends to keep you on the cutting edge of the B2B world. If you're interested in B2B marketing strategies and tactics that work, then this podcast is for you. Subscribe to get the latest from the B2B playbook first. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer. Welcome back to the B2B Playbook, the podcast where Kevin and I share our 5Bs framework for demand generation every single week. Today, we are talking about the most important content framework that demand gen marketers absolutely need, and it's the one that they should be using to influence buying journeys. We cover it very deeply in our program, the B2B Incubator, and we always hear in our three-month catch-ups with our students that it's the framework that has the biggest impact for them. Now, for context, we are at the end of season five of the playbook, and at this stage, we really want to recap some advanced strategies that the best demand gen marketers are doing. We're going to start the episode by defining demand generation so you can see why this content framework fits in so nicely. We're then going to walk you through the content framework and we're going to give you examples. And then finally, we're going to look at how you can use it in practice so you have a very clear idea at the end of this episode on how to get started. But before we dive into that, Kevin, lovely to see you. Please tell us, what is Season 5 all about? Yes, listeners, we're in Season 5 of the 5 Beast Framework. And as George said, this podcast is all about that particular framework, the five Bs. It's our step-by-step evergreen framework to doing B2B marketing and what some other people have been calling demand generation. Our five Bs consist of be ready, be helpful, be seen, be better, and be the best. In the previous seasons, we talked about the top. In the previous seasons, we talked about those first four Bs um, that should really have set you up for success by ensuring that you deeply understand your dream customers, that's be ready helping you create content that's helpful to them, 
which started building a relationship of trust with them online and position you as the expert. That's be helpful in season two. And in season three, be seen. We helped you amplify that helpful content to the right people and therefore accelerate your growth. We then looked at how to optimize your B2B marketing workflow to maximize your impact and be better season four. And this season we're covering be the best, which is all about how you can take you and your marketing to the next level to continue to be leaders in your industry and to stay evergreen. And in doing so, we hope that you start to see the five B's framework as something circular, as something you can continue to draw from and deliver improvements from. Beautiful. Thank you for that extra context, Kevin. And listeners, as promised, we're going to start off this show by talking about what demand generation is and just defining it because I think that is a really important thing to understand and then seeing why this next concept that we're going to introduce that is our content framework fits into it so nicely and why it works so well. Okay, so what is demand generation? If you're new to demand gen, Demand gen is a go-to-market strategy that really builds a very intense desire in your dream customer to purchase from your company. It's comprised of two parts. We've got demand capture and demand creation. Demand capture focuses on capturing those who are ready to buy right now, which only accounts for about 3% of the market. So at any given time of your total market, only 3% are in buy mode right now. They're actively looking for a solution. The other 97% are not. Demand creation looks to that other 97% of the market who are not in buy mode right now. Now, they're people who are totally unaware of the problem that your product or services solves, or they might be problem aware, but it's still pretty early on in their journey. And your job as a demand gen marketer is on the demand creation side to really build a relationship of trust with them, to make them prioritize that problem that they have that you solve and lead them to the logical conclusion that you are the best product or service available for fixing that problem. That's your job as someone who is in demand creation. The reason you can't just focus on demand capture, that 3% alone, is because it's like jumping into a pool full of sharks you and your competitors are competing for the same number of potential customers each and every year, except your competition grows stronger every year. So it becomes very difficult to scale as you're all trying to eat a bigger slice of the pie. So our content framework that we love using is called the five stages of awareness, and it plays such a key role in generating demand. The five stages of awareness, we didn't create it. I'd love to say that Kevin and I created it, but it was actually taken from Eugene Schwartz and he's the one who really pulled this together. So the five stages of awareness are the five stages that the buyer goes from being totally unaware that they have a problem that you can help them with to being led to the logical conclusion that it's a problem worth fixing and you're the best person to help them do it. Kev, can you take us through just really quickly at a high level before we go deep into each of them, what the five stages are? Of course, George and listeners, you may have heard of us talking about the five stages before, and we really want to emphasize that this is absolutely the best way to go about creating demand, uh, putting your content to create demand as well. So the five stages are unaware, problem aware, solution aware, product aware, and most aware. And starting right at the top with unaware, the folks who are here in this stage 
aren't even aware they have a problem, let alone any of the possible solutions that could help them solve that problem. By volume, they're generally the largest segment, but also the most challenging to market to. You can imagine they just don't have any clue what you're talking about. They don't have the frame of reference of the things that you're talking about. They're not aware that they actually have a problem. So they can be very passive. They can be very defensive when you bring up certain things that you think will be helpful to them. Then we move on to the second stage, which is problem aware. And in this stage, your prospect has woken up to the fact that yes, they do have a problem. Yes, they do have something that is grating on their nerves, but they're just at the beginning of the journey. They actually have a lot of questions here. They might have some semblance of an idea that they have a problem, but they're not really sure of the specifics of that problem, what the impacts are of having that problem. They just know that something's not quite right and they need to find out more about what that problem is and what they can do about it. So then in stage three, solutions aware. Your prospect now knows that they have a problem or need and they're starting to actively look to get answers on how to solve it. But they don't know about you or what you offer specifically. They do know they need to sort out this problem. They have started doing their research, but they're just not aware of you. They're not aware of potentially all the possible solutions to the problem at that stage. And when they move past that, the next stage is product aware. So now your prospect is looking at all the options, including yours. They're aware of what you can do to solve their problem. They probably have a fairly well-defined idea of what the problem is and what the potential avenues to go about solving that problem is. Hopefully your solution, your product, your services are one of those they're considering. And that's the stage they're in, but they're still not most aware, which is the next stage, next and final stage of awareness which is that 3% that we were talking about earlier in the episode where your prospect is on the brink of becoming a customer. They're fully aware of the solutions available to them and they've roughly made a decision in their mind on where to go from here, which one to pick and which one will really solve their problem. They just need a final nudge to pull out the credit card and put the money down on that solution. And that is the five stages of awareness. Thank you, Kev. That's great. So once we understand what those five stages of awareness are, what we need to do, marketers, is we need to create content at each stage of awareness, so each of those five, and then your role becomes then to usher them through that buying journey because it's helping them solve their problems as they go through that buying journey and it answers all their questions as they go. So by you guiding them through each stage, that creates trust between you and your dream customer. You didn't just try to sell from them from the beginning and you probably couldn't sell to a lot of them from the beginning because if they're not even aware that they have a problem, then why on earth would they consider you trying to pitch them your services or your product? And that's the beauty of the framework. The idea is that as you lead them through these five stages with your content, you've built that relationship of trust and then your product or service, your brand essentially becomes the no-brainer choice to them. Hey, I figured out all my problems. These guys have answered all my issues and all my questions around my problem. And they've told me all the potential ways I can resolve it. Why not give their service or product that they happen to offer in the space that completely solves my problem a go and see if they can solve it for me? Obviously, your prospect in that frame of mind would much more likely trust you and your product and that voice of trust and expertise than any other product out there in the market. And that's what we hope you can do at each of those five stages of awareness with your own customers as well. 
That's it. I mean, there's a lot of research done by people like uh, McKinsey and the B2B Institute that back up this idea that buyers want to buy from people that they trust, that they already have a short list of people by the time they start looking for a solution and they generally choose from that short list. So you need to be on someone's radar before that problem becomes big enough and before they start actively looking for a solution. You need to develop that relationship with them as early as possible. And that's why when thinking about what content helps you develop those relationships. It's why it's so helpful to think of these five stages of awareness because they so closely mirror the buying journey. So now I want to go deeper into each of these five different stages. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about what they are. We're going to go into examples as to how you can use them. And we're going to give you some copywriting tips as well. So when you actually go to execute, you have an idea of what to use. So we said that first stage, the first of the five stages of awareness is those that are unaware. So unaware are the folks that aren't even aware that they have a problem, let alone know about the potential solutions that your company provides. So how do you market to people who don't even realize they have a problem or a need? Marketers, this is your opportunity to shift them out of their unawareness. You want to show them when I come across your content that they have a problem and then you need to educate them on what this problem is. If, for example, you're a cybersecurity company selling to other corporates, this content might be about the damage that can be done to a business from an insecure network. Maybe it's a story about hackers holding companies for Bitcoin ransom. I don't know what it is. Kev, you recently brought a story to me that made us think about our business insurance again when you said, look, this happened to a business just like ours. It was a first-hand account, similar size to us. And we thought, oh my God, all right, we need to really start exploring what this problem is, how bad it is. And it's important at this stage to focus in on making this content not feel forced. You know, we're not cramming problems down people's throats we're trying to find the people that actually genuinely have these problems. We're just trying to be helpful, as George and I love to say, whenever we interact with people within our professional sphere, we just want to be helpful. We just want to help you solve any problems that you might have, not create new problems that you didn't have before, but just making sure that you're aware of the problems you have, and hopefully we can help you find a solution. And that's the aim that's the goal, that's the perspective you should take into the stage of awareness because people will be able to pick up pretty quickly if you're trying to create a problem out of nothing, if you're trying to drum up a bit of fear. Yes, that's helpful at times to get the point across, but only to people where the problem and the narrative is actually relevant. So keep that in mind. Don't make it forced. Target in on the people that actually have these problems and actually that will help you as well. There's plenty of efficiency. There's plenty of people who need your help without you selling to the wrong crowd and we're hoping that you see that as well and you're really focusing your efforts to try and find those people that actually need your help as quickly as possible. Even when it comes to our own podcast, as George likes to say to our friends and family who aren't in the B2B sphere, if you haven't heard of the podcast, it's okay because it's not for you. Please don't listen, pass it on to someone who actually gets value from the show, who actually is in the B2B sphere and who will actually get value from our content. That's exactly the sort of attitude you should take to spreading the word about your content as well, particularly at the stage of unawareness, because if people are having their first interaction with you, having their first impressions of you, if you're just being the helpful guy who's telling them the truth, then that starts to build that relationship of trust. And it also helps you weed out the people who aren't relevant to your business from the people who really do need your help and are relevant and potential customers to your business. 
All right, folks, quick breather here. In my time in B2B marketing, generally I've come to realize that there are just certain tools that can be an absolute game changer. And that's why I'm really excited to talk about Leadfeeder. Uh, it's a tool that helps you cut through the data and turn those website visitors into solid leads and opportunities for your business. Leadfeeder shows you which companies are checking out your site, tracking their behavior, and it integrates all of this with your CRM. And the result is it's basically like a secret weapon for targeted lead engagement, and it really makes it easier for your team to convert website traffic into sales. Head to leadfeeder.com, give it a free demo, and you'll also get a free extended premium trial when you let the rep know that you found out about Leadfeeder through the B2B Playbook podcast. That's leadfeeder.com. Okay, check it out. Back to the show. That's right, Kev. There's a number of people who've turned away from listening to the podcast and for that exact reason. And look, content and copy tips when it comes to unaware content. Remember, this content you're creating is for people who aren't even aware that they really have a big problem that needs fixing. So think about yourself when you're just scrolling through your feed on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook or Reddit, wherever it is that you're hanging out online. What do you need to see that's going to make you stop scrolling, get your attention and start to read about it. For me, I know for a lot of people, what the science says is it's really short form snackable content that go through the problem is ideal. So the stories format is a really powerful one because if it's a first hand account of someone who looks exactly just like you or is in a similar situation and you talk about some loss that they suffered or something that they gained, then that's much more likely to get your attention. In the same way that Kevin brought me the story on the company very similar to ours that suffered from a cybersecurity attack, that absolutely got my attention. Um, and Kev, I don't know how that story found you, but I'm guessing it was probably in short form and it was snackable. Describing the emotions a prospect feels is really important here because we really want to stick the knife in and twist it, Kev. We really want to make them start to feel the pain so they can instigate that journey of looking at what those problems are and then potentially looking to solve it. You want to assure them that at this stage that others feel this emotion, they're not alone. Yes, this business that looked just like ours, it happened to them, but guess what? The statistics show that this happens to thousands of businesses every year. And then this all culminates in that feeling that, oh my God, it could be me next. This is a very real problem for us to keep exploring further and possibly start solving. Loss aversion, the idea that humans feel the pain of losing twice as much as the pleasure of gaining is your friend in this stage. We don't want to be fear mongers, Kevin, but we want to use neuroscience to our advantage. So... Unfortunately, focusing on the potential loss that can come from not addressing this problem is probably going to be more effective than the potential gain. So focus on loss aversion, make it snackable, think about what would stop you when you were scrolling in your feed or wherever it is that you're hanging out online. And again, the benefit of focusing in on specific loss aversions, on niching that down, niching that message down, to be particularly relevant to your target ICP, target audience, it has that benefit of filtering out everyone else who isn't relevant for your business. If people aren't clicking through, if people aren't watching the video, if they're not having that same emotional reaction to your content, that probably means they actually don't have that problem to begin with and they probably aren't relevant to your business. 
but you can then hone in on those people that do that do react to it that do watch the video that do then re-engage with your content because they're the ones that actually have that problem and then self-identified through their actions through the engagement that your service your message is relevant to them okay kev so that's unaware so hopefully we've done a good enough job to shock the dream customer out of their unaware state and we've got them into the next stage which is problem aware so at this stage your dream customer has woken up to the fact that hey we have a problem but we're just at the beginning of their journey it's probably at that stage that you were at or i was at where it was like oh my god our business could be hacked and at this point you have a lot of questions right like you want to know about what is this problem where did it come from what are the effects or the downsides to it that I'm not aware of? How big a problem is it? Do others have that same problem? What are my potential options for fixing it? At this stage, you want to hit their pain problems. At this stage, you want to really hit that prospect's problems and pain points, and you want to give answers to them. You probably don't want to go into your product and all of its benefits here because that could turn them off, right? As soon as you start selling to people too early on, you think this content is just purely self-serving. You want more in-depth content, but still don't be afraid to try and package it up and make it snackable. Social media is still a great place for people to discover this material and make sure you distribute it in places that your dream customers are hanging out. Where is it that they're asking these questions? Go in there and answer them. When it comes to copywriting at this stage, again, we want you to focus on the anxieties, the pain points, and the benefits of fixing this problem. Start by defining the problem, name the motions around it, and really tease that, hey, there's actually a solution here to this problem at the end. You want to agitate the problem beforehand with examples. So again, in the cybersecurity example, talking about all the different things that can happen if you don't address this risk all the different problems that stem from it, all the other businesses like yours that have been affected by it. And then only at the end, or maybe towards middle to the end, once you've explored that, start introducing a solution. And one of those solutions can be your product. So in our cybersecurity example, Kev, maybe some of the pain points of your business being hacked, look, maybe you've got customer data that's being leaked, maybe you suffered reputational damage, your job can be on the line, everything you've worked towards has been ruined. There's a lot that you can tease out there and really make people start to feel that pain. Yeah, the important thing here, listeners, is once you've got people out of that unaware stage and into the problem aware stage, they're looking to find out more. They have this sense of unease, but a lot of unanswered questions. And if you're able to answer as many of those questions as possible and to fill in the gaps as much as possible, you effectively establish yourself as that position of trust, as that trusted advisor, or as that trusted expert within that field that you're looking to talk to people that are potentially your dream customers. And so moving on from that problem aware stage, once you've agitated the problem, once you've potentially hinted at your solutions for that particular problem, then you get your prospects to the next stage, which is solution aware. And in this stage, the prospects now know that they have a problem or need and they're starting to get answers on how to solve it. So they don't necessarily know everything that you offer. They don't know the terms that you offer these solutions on, but they do know that they want to sort out the problem. They're much closer to a buying decision. They know that they have to do something about it rather than just understanding that a problem exists. 
but they're still not ready to pull out their credit card. Um, and that's because you need to then start to subtly talk about your product, your service, and your content. You need to start addressing things like case studies and success stories to get those customers across the line because they need to know that this solution actually works. Here are the benefits of using this particular solution versus other solutions. Using real customer quotes in your language really helps them to then mirror that in their own experiences and see it apply to their own scenarios. Even using the language that they're using at this stage is very important as well. They might not have the same lingo as someone who has been in the space for a while. So you need to talk to them at their language, at their awareness stage that's relevant to them. And the copywriting style that we recommend you focus on here in this stage of solution aware is focusing in on, again, those claims and proof points that yes, in fact, your solution does solve their problems. And in this stage, lead with emotionally charged issues that your prospects are facing. Lead with the one that really gets them going, that really drives the fear factor or the ego factor or whatever that factor may be that's most relevant to the problem at play. Acknowledge that the problem is there, give it legitimacy, give the problem a name. Uh, that's a great tactic as well. Branding either the problem or the solution can really start to align customers and potential customers internally as well around this problem because then they can name it they can discuss it and they can talk about it much easier one example is hubspot branded inbound marketing in response to the problem of how do i get more leads coming to me rather than reaching out to them which is traditionally outbound marketing they came up with that term of inbound marketing or effectively owned it at least to really start getting those leads through because people then started talking about this problem of how do we generate more inbound marketing? And you might focus on in that cybersecurity example, again, you might focus on something like a particular type of hacker and the problems that they pose. Are they the ones that hold you ransom for cryptocurrency? Crypto pirates, maybe you can call them. Potentially that would be a good way for cybersecurity companies to start to brand that problem as well so using that technique of giving the problem a name really starts to give it legitimacy and you can start to talk to them about how your product or services really solve that particular problem that you've just named that you've just branded how you can get them to bridge that gap from solution aware problem aware to hey this is a great solution for me this is all the benefits of using this particular solution. And again, look, try and deliver as much value as you can in this solution-aware content when you're exploring these different solutions. It's not all about your product. It's not all about your features. It's about, again, helping them explore what that problem is, exploring the different solutions out there available to fix that problem, and then leading them to that logical conclusion that, you guys are the best solution for them, or at least the type of thing that you, the, the way that you solve this is the right thing for them. Let them make that decision themselves. And if you're positioned correctly, and if they're your dream customer, the content will match them and that will happen. So once we've got them solution aware, we then need to get into that next stage, which is product aware. And that's when your prospect is now looking at all the options of solving this problem, including yours. They're now considering yours too. And if you're the one who's guided them on this journey, then they should trust you by now, probably more than the others. And at this point, we need to show them why your solution is the one to pay attention to. So 
show off how your product solves their problem, why it's a better alternative to the competition as well. You don't want to pitch at this stage. You still just want to make this content super valuable and engaging. So the kinds of content that would be super useful here, product comparison pages, and my advice on those is make them as honest as possible. Your alternatives, your competitors might do certain things better than you, but that might come at the sacrifice of something else that you do really well that your dream customers really value. Also do things like how-to guides, demos, product walkthroughs. I don't know about you guys, but this is all the stuff that buyers want to research before they actually talk to a salesperson at your company. It used to be the case that they'd jump on a sales call and you'd have the salesperson walk them through all this information. But now people, they just don't want to talk to salespeople as much. They want to do as much research as possible. I don't know about you, Kevin, but I'm constantly looking at demos and walkthroughs and things on YouTube and comparing this versus that well before I speak to anyone at sales. For me, by the time I'm talking to sales, I'm pretty much pretty much there in terms of buying. And keep in mind that when you do produce these product comparison pages, how-to guides, demos, and product walkthroughs, speak to your ICP, speak to your dream customers, niche down and talk to your niche specifically. It's much easier to be honest in that case because you're in fact the best product for your particular niche. You can call out the things that you do best. You can call out things that competitors do better, but it's totally irrelevant to your particular niche if they're better at something that isn't important to your niche. Talk about the things that are important to your niche. Talk about how you're better in those cases and be honest, as George said. And naturally, that will help them make that decision in the product aware stage that you are at now with your potential customers in this stage. The copywriting style here then is naturally to provide those biggest and most relevant promises that you can. The peace of mind, the protection you can rely on, whatever it might be that's most pertinent to your particular niche of potential customers, what's their key concern? How does your product address it the best out of other solutions in the market? Connect the promise back to the audience's core desires whether that's saving money, making money, saving time, whatever it might be, and layer on the proof. As we said before, things like social proof points, customer reviews, and the words that the customers themselves have used to describe your product, these are really important in the stage to really drive home the point that our product is the best for your particular niche, for this particular niche compared to every other product out there because our features, our benefits are particularly honed in and tailored to you. All right, Kev, that then takes us to the fifth and final stage of the five stages of awareness, which really are those five stages to help map that buying journey. So the previous one was product aware, where they're exploring your solution versus others. And now we're at the final stage, which is most aware. And at this point, your prospect, your dream customer, they're on the brink of becoming a customer. They need some kind of final nudge to pull out the credit card or to discuss it even further with their buying committee to get that final sign-off. Look, some people use discounts and bundles, something to call into action. Kevin and I, we're not huge fans of that because that can really cheapen your brand and it becomes a bit of a race to the bottom. What we advise you do instead is really create content that addresses any objections or reasons that people might have when buying your product. Record those answers, address them in a video or an FAQ. For Kevin and I, every time someone goes through the B2B incubator, we have a three-month catch-up with them. We ask them 
for all the feedback that they have about the program. As soon as we come up and come across any other objections, like something that stopped them from joining, we then address that. And then we put that in some ads or a piece of content. And then we push that to people who we know who are considering going through the program. It's a constant iterative process, but you're just getting feedback and then you create content to address it. What else is really important at this stage is to give them the why now. Why should they buy your product right now? Is it because of the time of year? Is there something important coming up? Is it because they've reached a particular milestone in their business? Maybe their marketing team has jumped from three to five people. And that means that they're probably going to be addressing XYZ issue, which means that they need to really start considering a solution like yours now. Um, look for business triggers, something that is going to get them across that line. I would also say at this stage, try and make your product and price point readily available. Make it as easy as possible for people to buy from you. So when it comes to copywriting at this fifth and final stage, as I said, focus on that trigger, focus on the why now. Share success stories of really similar customers that use that product. Show the return on investment that they got from it so people can make a business case for it. Make sure you reiterate those relevant benefits. And I suppose just make sure you include that offer and that trigger in the copy so people know exactly what they're getting and why there is an important need for them to purchase from you right now they are after all at the most aware stage and you're really fighting here with the sharks in the three percent at the pointy end of the deal so if you're the easiest one to buy from if you have the most compelling offer that will really help them get across the line very quickly hopefully you've done the heavy lifting in the first four stages so that your potential prospects are already sold on you, your brand, your solution. So all those other factors become less of an issue, but there's no harm in making it super easy for them to purchase from you and to make that price point right for them as well. And making that offer a no brainer for them. All right, Kev. So that's the five stages of awareness. I want to go into some of the practicalities of actually creating content around it. Cause we get questions like this from people whenever we post about this or people who go ahead and are actually applying it in our demand generation program, the B2B incubator. Normally our advice is, all right, five stages of awareness, we need to cover it off, but what order should we cover it off in? And my advice is always to start with the latest stages first and then work your way up the buying journey. Now, the reason that I would recommend you start with most aware, product aware, solution aware is I know that you marketers are constantly reacting to needs of the business. Sales are asking you for stuff. Content that you create in that phase is very often going to also serve as sales enablement material. It's stuff that they're going to be able to use in existing conversations. The material that you create in those later stages of awareness is also going to serve the needs and capture those that are further along in their buying journey. So there probably are companies already out there that are searching for this information about yours. And if you haven't created it, then you're leaving them to make up their own mind. Take ownership of that, create content around it, let them make an informed decision, equip sales with it because they're having calls and conversations with people who need this information and capture those who need that right now. You're going to have a much faster impact on the business if you create content there. 
The second major point I would make is really try and focus on loss aversion and pain in the earlier stages. Your job is to make them prioritize that pain, to really twist that knife in and to show them that there is a need for their business to fix this problem. What is it costing them every year or every quarter, whatever it might be, what is it costing the business by not fixing this problem? That's what we need to get across. And loss aversion, the potential loss, is what is going to get people to consider that. Once you've done that, you've hooked them, they've started exploring solutions, then we want to move on to moving them towards pleasure. These are the different ways we can alleviate that pain. So take them on that emotional journey from loss aversion, from pain, through to pleasure. The third point that I would make here is... Okay, so you've made content for these five stages of awareness. Maybe you have an ebook that covers a particular piece of content that covers this whole five stages of awareness. In that cybersecurity example that we just spoke about, Kev, and used when explaining the five stages of awareness, that could conceivably be in one long kind of ebook. It starts off with talking about statistics, about how many people get affected by cybersecurity every year delves into the problem, offers solutions, then later on shows why this particular business is the perfect solution to that original problem, as every good ebook should. You can chop that up into different parts, turn it into snackable formats, post it on LinkedIn Organic and see which performs best. What we try and do to make sure that we cover off each of the five stages of awareness is we have a simple content calendar that I'm actually gonna share on my screen. It just shows that Monday, I'm talking about things that are unaware. Tuesday, problem aware. Wednesday, solution aware. Thursday, product aware. Friday, most aware. So we're just constantly cycling through those five stages. Now, because we're posting it organically, we can't control who sees what, that's up to the algorithm, but we know that we're getting through the different buying stages. And that's also one of the other realities is that Marketers try and say that we've got it, we can hit people with laser-like accuracy, the right people, the right time, the right message. That's what we always claim to do as marketers. Yes, the right people, absolutely. Yes, the right message. But timing is incredibly difficult to know. We don't know when people are in these different stages. We bounce around between different stages of awareness. Kev, I was stressed as hell a couple of weeks ago about cybersecurity. And then I had my weekend and I forgot all about it on Tuesday. Like, <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous. And that's the reality of buyers too, is they bounce around in these different stages of awareness. So what we do for our cold audiences is we hit them with unaware, problem aware, solution aware content. We can control who is a cold audience by boosting it on LinkedIn ads. And then once we have a warmer audience who we know understand those problems, then we can hit them with solution aware, product aware, and most aware. So don't try and get too fancy. Acknowledge that you can't fully predict exactly where someone is. Think about it as if you were in their shoes and about how you bounce around between different stages of awareness and different stages of the buying cycle and just make it as easy as possible for people to guide them through these different stages of awareness. And while you're covering off on those different stages, another practical point to keep in mind is 
As long as you have pieces of content covering each stage, roughly, that's fine. You don't always have to have a piece of content that covers one particular stage. It could cross a couple. Uh, it could potentially address half of one and half of another. That doesn't matter if it's relevant, if it's useful to your dream customers, to your potential customers, then that's worth doing and that's worth filling the gap. It's not a perfect journey, as George said, it's not a perfect stage by stage play. So you don't always have to fit everything perfectly into the five stages. You don't have to perfectly hit every stage in order as well. Uh, we're not saying the five stages replaces the traditional funnel structure that you see a lot or any kind of customer journey. We don't pretend like we can map out the customer journey in a very clean way. That just doesn't exist in reality. It's about making sure you're covering all your bases and hopefully the signals of engagement will over time naturally show you who is at different stages and what you should show them. And as George said, don't get too fancy with your targeting. It won't be perfect. Roughly is good enough here and it's all you'll ever be able to do. But make sure you hit those different stages at some point in your content marketing mix. Uh, and another more practical point to call out is to help you cycle through those different stages, go back and listen to our interview with Michelle. She gives us the three, two, one framework for posting the different types of content and what you should be posting on LinkedIn to get that right level of engagement of building trust at the same time as providing those CTAs and calls to action. So make sure to go back and listen to that excellent episode on how to action that on LinkedIn specifically. Well, George, that is the five stages of awareness. Key takeaways for this episode, if you're the guide to your customers through these stages of awareness, they will trust you and are less likely to compare you to the competition when it comes to purchasing. It's all about being helpful, understanding where they are in their journey and creating answers for them that are relevant to those different stages until finally your product is the final logical and obvious conclusion for them to purchase when they get to that final stage of most aware. And make sure to work your way through those five stages of awareness. We recommend starting from the bottom up, killing two birds in one stone in a lot of cases, helping the sales enablement, making sure that your company can eat now, can get those leads in through the door right now so that you can keep growing and you have the resources to keep going up the five stages of awareness and keep creating content that's relevant and answers the questions for your dream customers. Beautiful. Thank you, Kevin. Look, as always, listeners, you can find links to everything that we discussed in the show notes. And look, Kevin and I are just so grateful that every week more and more marketers are tuning in or catching us on YouTube every Monday morning. If we can ask one thing, it would be to please pass the show to someone who you think would get value from it. Also, feel free to leave your feedback in the comments section. Subscribe, do all that kind of stuff. It's a huge help to us, our future listeners and viewers, and we'd really, really appreciate it. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Kevin. Take care and catch you next week. Thank you, George. Thank you, listeners. Catch you all next week. A quick note before you go, listeners. You can find more great content and get in touch with us at theb2bplaybook.com. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter while you're there to get the latest news, tips, and resources from our playbook. We'll be back the same day and same time with another episode next week. Thanks for tuning in to the B2B Playbook. Remember, successful B2B marketing starts with the buyer.